No. <laughs> Next week on the Rod Stewart podcast. Uh, this is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Welcome. <laughs> Today, we're talking about storytelling. Storytelling is pervasive throughout history and prehistory, and it shows up in more forms than just telling a story, like from point A to point B with a beginning and an end. I like to think of the oral traditions of the ancients. Um, that was a way to pass stories and knowledge. And, and among modern people today, even, they still use oral traditions to pass on information. About the cave drawings. They were telling some sort of story. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that they were. Absolutely. They, they meant something. They were symbolic, even if it was just, hey, we the saw hunt. 13 story of the hunt. buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And I even think of Greek theater with the chorus. And the chorus was sort of this populist voice that had... A place in the story. And so it was this whole idea that we were all part of this great story. And I think a lot of mytholo mythological traditions have that, you know, either it's, you know, we're in the waking dream or the dream time or story is a hugely important part of being human. I think story is really powerful because it's, it's not only a way to chronicle things that have happened, but it's also a way for us to connect. It's a way for us to view the world. It's a way to see how other people view the world and decide if we agree with it or, mm -hmm. or disagree with it. There's always that thing in writing about when you're writing characters that you have to remember that every character is the main character in their own story. They're the hero of their own story. And looking at things from that perspective, I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I think of the epic poems, Beowulf, Gilgamesh, and uh, some of the earliest forms of written story that we've found. But yeah, ultimately, as a story as a, a tool to kind of embrace our humanity and connect and interpret. Uh, I love that too, though, because it, it ties into everything we've talked about in terms of originality and mm -hmm. your own art is, if you're telling your story, you're always making your own art because your story is different. 100%. From anyone else. And yeah. yet has those common themes that tie us all together. Yeah, and even if you're not telling a full story, you're still bringing your story. Yeah, I probably you. never would have thought of myself as a storyteller before. Yeah, I always think of telling verbal stories. You know, there are those people who can tell amazing ah. jokes or stories, and they have these great nuances and details, and they just suck you in. And then I'm always like, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I did this thing, and then, and then, then it happened, and this other thing happened, and, then, and that's it. All right, yeah. tell a joke, and I say the punchline, and they go, oh, wait, no, I forgot. <laughs> I need to tell you the first part. And I think that's, uh, you know, we're making fun of ourselves here, but I think it's important to bring that out because that's not the only way to tell a story. Right. I mean, they're beautiful. I think of uh, some of the murals, like the, uh, the unicorn tapestries at the cloisters mm. or inner city murals that kind of stretch on and chronicle a history. And there are just so many different ways to tell stories. I think of you know, music. I think of some of my favorite songs, uh, some of Bob Dylan's stuff, Slade Cleaves, Breakfast in Hell. Mm -hmm. uh, but just, yeah, Tom John Waits. John Prine. John Prine, yeah, just great storytellers. And the thing, of course, I love about them is that they're not telling 
straight and linear stories that are weird and strange and unexpected, which of course always makes a story yeah. a little bit more enjoyable. Did you mention Tom Waits? I, I just threw him in there right as oh, you were okay. saying John Prine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom Waits is probably one of my favorite storytellers because yeah. he tells such oddball stories. So storytelling is interesting from a writer's standpoint, of course, because most writers are trying to tell a story. The cool thing about it that I think would probably equate somewhat to visual art is that at least my writing process is I need to get stuff down and then sort of work with it. And I rarely know, like even if I have a through line or a plot, I rarely know how it's going to come out because I don't know how the people in the story are going to behave. The story evolves the more you write it, the more you edit it, all those things. And usually you're going to wind up with something that if it's not very different from what you started out trying to do, it's from a different angle than what you originally started to try to do. And I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, which is a different process, of course, than maybe. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't finish the thought. The, the idea that by having the story emerge by iteration and adding and subtracting, I think the same thing kind of applies with visual art where you're adding and subtracting as you paint. Like, okay, you know, you're working and you're getting your whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, but it's never the first thing you put down on the canvas. Right? Yeah. And what I find really interesting too is looking at an abstract, I've come to appreciate the story of abstract art more than I ever would have before. And that was from my Boobs and Wombs series yeah. of paintings that I didn't realize I was telling a story exactly until I really looked at them and studied them and started trying to write about them for, you know, to oh, send them to shows. And yeah, exactly. What the series is about. Yeah. Yeah. As I was studying them after they were done, it all came together in a very interesting way. Like, wow, this really is the story of what's been happening to me over the last few years. And it's all here. I didn't know I was doing it exactly. I was working it out. I've mentioned doing it intuitively or whatever yeah. before, which might be an overused word, but it was that. It was not trance-like isn't quite right, but, I, but feel I, like, I really was deep in it. I feel like you kind of had a seed of an idea when you settled on that motif or whatever you want to call it, yeah, whatever you artists call that stuff. <laughs> but by doing the multiple paintings, I, I feel like that's sort of your writing and revision yeah. and stuff because, and it's not like you were culminating in one end product. You had all these amazing paintings and, Thank uh, you. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool how it is a very similar process where you arrived at your fuller meaning by continuing to do these pieces and also by the writing aspect of it, which is really cool too. So you added this other art form, essentially, trying to articulate what it was that you got down on the canvas and you then you have this more complete story. Yeah. And it's even more layered than that because it, what started that whole series of paintings was a narrative that I'd been telling myself. So it was sort of based on a story about myself. These are the kinds of paintings I make. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then changing that story to, well, wait a minute, I don't have to make those. Stories within stories. Yes. Which is really fascinating. And I think that speaks to our humanity or the, the different layers that we possess. We contain multitudes. Oh, yeah. You know how that goes, <laughs> all the multitudes. <laughs> But it's true, and I think if you're willing to look and be self-aware and, and be a studier of the world, 
for me, it kind of goes back to that depth thing. It's, you know, things that have not necessarily deeper meaning, but just layers of time and history, this patina. Because we all have that. Yeah. We all have all these experiences that are adding to our story all the time. And that brings up a really interesting thing too. I think a lot of people have ideas like, oh, I want to write or I want to paint or I want to do photography, but I don't really have a story to tell. Why would anyone want to hear it? Which is fascinating because that goes back to all the other stuff that we've talked about, about, well, what are you doing art for? What are you doing your creative practice for? And ultimately it should be for yourself. So tell the story you want to tell. You know, I think a lot of people will write memoirs and maybe it might not be interesting to anybody else, but if it's interesting to you to write it and and explore things, I think just by the nature of doing it, you're going to learn stuff about yourself that you didn't really think of before because you've taken the time to think of it more deeply. And that's what I was thinking. If you can't think of a story to tell, like if you think, well, I don't have a story, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has a story, but you can approach it by doing something you really love doing and you begin to see the similarities and you can concoct your story through what you make. And that's the best part is that our stories, even the ones we tell about ourselves, don't have everything in it. I mean, no one wants to well, you know, I went to the bathroom again today, or I... It's what social media is for. <laughs> not for the bathroom. I'm not on that channel. I don't know what they do there. That's the other interesting thing I think about story is that it's not, it's not real. Even documentaries, no one wants to watch all the uncut footage of the documentary because it's not all exciting. And I think that's just a really fascinating thing. I, I was thinking of the idea of unreliable narrators and... We all, to some degree, are unreliable narrators because we bring our biases to the story. And while I guess if you're a journalist, that might be a thing to try and minimize, as a storyteller, again, who cares if it's entertaining? And it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be funny. There are human elements yeah. that people can relate to. I think that's the big one because we bring our emotional ball of twine to everyone else's art. People will be like, yeah, you did this thing. That, that's totally Uncle Bill, right? And it's like, no, that was not. And, you know, in your subconscious, maybe it was. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, I think we don't give enough credit to how really complicated our stories can be. It's just that when we create narratives in our head, I think we create the simplest version of, of a narrative because it's easy to remember and stuff. But the reality is, is that even the simplest narratives have a lot of nuance to them and a lot of stuff that's been brought to them. We compare our stories with the masters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so then, of course, we don't feel like we, just like when we're learning something, we look at the famous paintings or whatever, and they that's showing that person's pinnacle. That's their Instagram. Not all, exactly. That's living their best yes. life. Yeah. Rembrandt's Instagram ha- feed. Hashtag cherub. <laughs> yeah. There is a great artist I follow, a fun, fun artist I follow on Instagram who does hilarious Instagram paintings classics. of the classics. And it's all hashtags of the other artists like commenting oh. <laughs> on their. Oh, that's fantastic. Nice. That's great. I was thinking of the idea that most people who create art are generally what we would all consider normal people. They have full-time jobs. I think we talked about this before, like having a job and being creative. And the reality is, is that 
people who we would consider mundane from the outside looking in without knowing anything about them other than like what they do for a living and where they live might seem like they don't have any stories to tell. But these people are creating amazing, amazing stories, whether it be through visual art or written or song or whatever. And I love that idea. I'm going through bird by bird right now. Mm. And Anne Lamott's talking about these writing classes that she teaches and People are like, well, I don't know what to write. I don't know where to start. And one of the things she talks about is starting with your school cafeteria. Write about what you remember from that. And part of what she's talking about there is sort of what I was talking about earlier in the podcast was this idea that you start writing and you have this picture in your mind, but as you continue to write about it, new details will emerge. And and you find that even the memories in your mind, whether they're true or not, tough to say, Rectangular pizza. <laughs> Rectangular pizza with weird cheese stick. <laughs> you remember the, did you have the weird cheese sticks? They were like yellow cheese that looked like, almost <gasps> like a Jenga block. Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure what flavor Ooh. it was supposed to be. It was like cheddar American, cheddar American. But anyway, I love that too, because again, that also goes sort of with the idea that if you're not sure what to do, just get started. Barbara Eulen, The Moodling, mm. Brenda. Brenda Eulen. Brenda yes, Eulen, The you. Moodling. And just that idea of sort of playing around. But if you're w- worried that you don't have a story or that you're not sure what the story is or it seems thin, probably noodling on it for a little bit. Not moodling, but noodling. <laughs> or doing both. <laughs> doing that a bit, I think, will help that story emerge. And, and again, it doesn't have to happen right away. You could noodle on a story for years if you wanted to. And just keep coming back to it because it's sort of, again, like an exercise, like a muscle. And the more you use it, the more you're likely to uncover pieces or the more you think about it, the more you might, might be able to uncover some uh, themes. And yeah, and the that. sooner you finish a story, the sooner you're going to have to think of another one. So I think it's good to stick with one. Never finish your work. That's what we're telling you here, ever. I think that's true. Uh, that's why I write novels, <laughs> thousand-page novels that... Have you guys ever heard of Infinite Jest? No. <laughs> I was trying to think of some other storytellers that are, man, I think of Mark Twain. Like there's your like classic like writer storyteller who could spin a yarn as it were. I worked in the whitewater industry and there are a lot of characters mm-hmm. there. And you'd go down the river and you'd spend six hours with people that you never met before. And you'd have to figure out a way to try and entertain them and draw them out of their shells sometimes. And so you had to figure out ways to tell stories about things. The best, though, is when you tell this really elaborate story that was super important to you, and then they would just stare at you. And you'd be like, all right, all ahead. Let's, <laughs> let's get, get down this river as quickly as possible. I was a tour guide in college, and yeah. those tours were always the worst with the people with the straight face. That's, I have to have a little bit of feedback. It's true. Or else I just trail off. Yes, yeah, like a comedian okay, well, on stage. Over here. We have the tallest building on campus. Oh, we're going to cut this about two hours short today. <laughs> exactly. You guys are duds. Well, it's funny, too. I think about story in the, in the line of work that I'm doing in digital media, digital marketing. I got into it in earnest in 2011, um, doing it as a, a full-time or doing it as a full-time job. And the, uh, the thing at that time, and I think it's, it's even more prevalent now. And I mean, it's always been prevalent in advertising, but basically, well, don't, 
don't just try and sell people stuff. You know, people want to buy a story and that's true. I guess even when I was at Wildwater, same thing. It was like people wanted something that they could believe in. Otherwise, why would they pick you out of 22 river companies, you know? And I always found it very difficult to tell a story that seemed compelling and not contrived. And I think that's always the challenge. And especially in the internet age where it seems like everyone's telling a story and it's a corporate thing and it's a marketing thing and it no longer becomes about really artwork. It's, you know, just using it as a tool to move widgets or whatever. Yeah. And I've recognized how often I think that elements of my story are so much like other people's Mm -hmm. that it's like, eh. Everybody says yeah. they're inspired by nature as an artist. <laughs> That's right. But the thing is, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to own that. And so then the story isn't just that you're inspired by nature. It's what is it about nature? Is it the texture of wet leaves? On you know, oh, like really yeah, digging exactly. into the to the nitty gritty. Because when you start talking about the tactile stuff, the sensory stuff, I think that's when people really start to relate to it. And same with visual art. There are things in art pieces that resonate with people because there's sort of this overlapping of, I don't know if story is the right word, but there's this overlapping of common experience. Life, yeah, delight, I guess. Yeah. You know, that you yeah, like. I was looking at the side of a building today, just the textures. It looked like a painting. The paint was rubbed off and some paint was showing from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. through it. And the windows had a little bit of darkness, like maybe mildew or something yeah. dripping down off it. But I thought that looks like something I would create with paint by scraping some paint over some others and then yeah, rubbing yeah. off and then adding charcoal. You know, I mean, it was just, I don't know what that has to do with storytelling, well, except that that's a, an experience of life. Yeah. And so when you make a painting like that, somebody fills in the blanks. Oh, that looks like the building that I used to go past on my yeah. way to my old job, you know, like. <laughs> well, and we have fascination. I, I mentioned patina. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that whole, uh, it's abandoned. There's the account on Instagram that I used to follow. I, I guess I still do since my account <laughs> exists. But it's all these cool pictures of just abandoned places and they mm-hmm. have neat colors and all this kind of stuff. And like negative space can also bring about story as well. You know, you see something you're like, well, how did that get to be mm, like that? Exactly. What did they used to do here? Yeah. You see someone on the street who's interesting, especially if you see someone who's older and you're just like, well, how did they get to this place in their life? If they're a rodeo clown or a bartender, who knows? Just things that make you wonder about stories. And I think that's maybe one of the more evocative things about visual art. All you get is this one snapshot in time. Ultimately, if you feel like you have a story to tell in any way, shape, or form to get started and continually exercise that desire, and if you think you're not a good storyteller, I would guess that in time, you'll find you become a more accomplished one the more you do it, just like any art form. Yeah, you get more comfortable with your own story. I find reading other people's stories, Mm. you know, slices of life, all that kind of stuff is, is just inspiration, too. If you're on the receiving end of a story, you get to tap into all those things, the shared experience that other people are sharing with you. And a really good part of storytelling, too, in that same vein would be listening. Mm. So when, when people are telling their stories, it's very easy for us to kind of tune out and think about, well, how, how does that relate to me? And I'm right. going to jump gonna in say there. Next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think if you can... Train yourself to listen. That also will help with your storytelling. One of my favorites 
in a book club that I was in was listen to understand, not to respond. Yeah. A couple times in the last week or so, the concept of just shutting up, you know, <laughs> and, and really listening to people. And it's difficult. It's hard to do because we're expected to be authorities and know what, what's going on. And, uh, and here we are on a podcast where we just talk. I listen to you. Oh, okay. Yes, really I listen, listen to you too. What? <laughs> it's, Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> I don't remember. I wasn't, I wasn't listening. listening to me either. <laughs> yeah, so over the next several days, think about your own story. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for other stories. And I encourage you to look deeper than just people too, you know, landscapes and mm. pretty much their stories everywhere. I think it was Rod Stewart to bring us back around to him. Always. Every picture tells a story, don't it? <whistles> Deep stuff. <laughs> we'll leave you with that nugget and we'll... Nugget! <laughs> different, <laughs> different song. Oh. <laughs> Next week on the Rod Stewart podcast. Uh, no. uh, I saw some clickbait about how his we almost his had this thing Porsche ended. was getting injured by potholes or something, so he filled them in himself. Rod, Sir, Sir <laughs> Rod sir Stewart, Rod, to you. Exactly. Or if he and Elton John ever duel. <laughs> anyway, so we'll see you next week on the Creative Double Shot. The Creative Double Shot. See ya.